Hello and welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, it's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a while. Been a while. I mean, for, for the dear listeners, they don't know that, that a hiatus, good word, has happened. <laughs> well, I, you know, we, we, we're, t- we're starting to, because of, I mean, you have a busy life and, and occasionally so do I. And, uh, and, and we just... It, it's kind of easy to do blocks, isn't it? About half a dozen, and, and then, yeah, and and because they're only month, once a month, it that sort of stretches over a year. But we can record in slightly more compact uh, periods of time than yeah. <laughs> Let, and let's pretend we've got production blocks because that sounds cool. Oh, <laughs> oh, that that likes proper telly talk. Isn't it? That's like, like like real telly people use. In, in, exactly. Uh, yes, there's a big whiteboard over here with lots of lines drawn on it. <laughs> lines, and lines, and lines and lines. <laughs> if I had room for a whiteboard on these walls, <laughs> and, and if we could actually attach something to a wall without it bringing half the plaster down, then that, yeah. know, sorry. <laughs> other people's problems, other people's problems. Right. So, what are we here to talk about today? I know we've well, the letter uh, we, G. We, we, yes, yes, the letter G. Now, the letter G offers up many, many things. As we know, the letter G was our was a bit of a... Last time round went down terribly well with the audience, didn't it? <laughs> well, um, only some of the audience. Let's not overreact to, to what could have been a mon- minority. <laughs> but I think... I, I, I feel that this this letter G is a bit more obscure in, in many ways. Yeah. In the sense that I'd never heard of it. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, it's a four-part drama that was made in the late 80s, uh, 1989, I believe. Yeah. Uh, based on a novel. So we're, we're, we're back to uh, adaptation oh, of yes, novels of again. Are, yeah. And it's, um, it's The Ginger Tree. It's The Ginger Tree starring Samantha Bond. Four hour-long episodes. Yeah. Uh, made by the BBC. BBC One. Yes, in... Is a co-production with NHK Japan and WGBH mm. Boston, mm. and it cost four million pounds—a million pounds per episode. We'll get to whether really? we think that was yes. We'll get to whether <laughs> we think that was money well spent later. Mm. It was also the first ever drama serial made in HD, but it was not broadcast in HD except mm. on Japanese satellite, apparently, and. Right. It's never been released in HD or shown in HD in the UK, and the DVD certainly not in HD. And no, I no, think, oh, the, 
four, four hours of murk. <laughs> and I think the people in charge of the BBC archives probably have no idea. So when they said, oh, we'll put the ginger tree out. Uh, what's that, the ginger tree? And then they will have not thought that there was ever... They would have not looked at the archive file or anything to see that there was a um, yeah. HD version. And I, so I don't think it will ever be shown, ever yeah. be released. So the, there's, there's Oxbridge students at the uh, at, at graduates at the BBC yeah, are, uh, yes. are not what they were, are they? <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have no idea what they've got, let's be honest. No idea. <laughs> so... Um, I've got lots to say about Oswald Wind. Do you want me to oh, talk jolly good. about him? Good old Oswald. Yeah. So Oswald Wind wrote The Ginger Tree. He had a fascinating okay. life. I went down a bit of a black hole the other day finding out about him. Um, well, Can I go through a bit do. of a biog? Yeah, well, yes, I, I feel so. I, I know nothing about <laughs> okay. uh, him. So he was a Scottish man. And, right. well, he was actually born in Scotland, but he was the son of missionaries. And they went out okay. to Japan. So that's why we have the missionary character in The Ginger Tree. So he, he was raised in Tokyo and he learnt English and Japanese. And okay. he felt like a, a foreigner surviving in an alien land. We'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, he returned to England in 1932. And in the Second World War, because of his Japanese language, he was stationed back in Malaya. Um, in the intelligence corps because he was so useful because he could understand Japanese. That was really rare for for a a white man. Mm. He was attached to the Indian army on the East Coast and with his brigade, they withdrew towards Singapore down down the peninsula when the Japanese invaded. He got cut cut off by the Japanese uh, advance. He was lost alone for a week in the Johor jungle, around about where the Foster Brown plantation was in Tankerinian. Um, then he spent more than three years as a prisoner of war um, under the Japanese in Hokkaido, okay. the northernmost um, Japanese island. And whenever people talk about prisoners of war in Tenko, and they're all like, oh, that was set in Japan, wasn't it? I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was on Sumatra. Come on, idiot. But I, I never really <laughs> realised or remember that there were actually prisoner of war camps in Japan. All over the place. Mm. Yeah, I never really picked up on that. Anyway, he was in there for three years. And he served as an interpreter. He was basically the Christina Campbell of... of oh, OK. Yeah. And Much is explained. Yes. yes by that. And he created a phrase book for prisoners of war, Japanese phrase book. And during... <laughs> yes. Sorry. I know. Please do not cut off my head. <laughs> yes. So please, please, please do not cut off my head again. Yes, yes. exactly. During his last year as a prisoner of war, he, he began oh. writing his first novel, Black Fountains. Okay. Um, which are the experiences and impressions of a young American educated Japanese girl recently returned to Japan as World War II unfolds. Right. That won the Doubleday Prize and $20,000. Um, after the war, he returned to Scotland immediately as soon as he was um, released and and he swore never to return to the Far East because of his experiences there. Mm. And then he lived in Hebrides and in Fife and mm. he wrote The Ginger Tree... Um, and 30 other novels. He died in 98 mm. at 85. Crikey. But, um, yeah, so... But and this, I'd, I'd yeah. genuinely never heard of him. No. I mean, I actually, I know this is terrible, but given the nature of the programme, I actually assumed Oswald Wind was a pseudonym for a, a female writer. That's that's yeah, how that, little I knew about It's really interesting, because when I was reading about him, there was lots of women writers who were saying mm. he is one of the few male writers who is mm. truly empathetic to a female voice and truly knows how to write for women. Mm. So I think that's really interesting. Mm. And I know oh, there's that word, interesting. 
I used it first mm. this time. <laughs> but yes, it, but, but you you won't use it as many times. As I do. Possibly not. <laughs> I use it in, in place of commas <laughs> to a certain extent. <laughs> but oh, I'm being mocked, Mister Orn. I'm being mocked. <laughs> Sorry, but. I, I just wonder about that. It's, it's really interesting because his first novel, even in that Prisoner of War camp, was about a woman's mm. voice, you know, a woman's experience. Mm. Anyway, one review of the novel. Wind manoeuvres skillfully among Chinese and Japanese mores and landscapes and acute selection mm. from the author's apparently vast engaged knowledge of the East, a completely diverting and moving tracery of the hardening destiny of a nation and the quiet shriveling of one heart. So that was one review of the book of The Ginger Tree. Mm. So I thought that was worth reading. Well, I suppose, uh, you know, that says it all, really. So, next time... <laughs> yeah. I think we, we can't live without your synopsis. Have you got no, your we're, synopsis we're, we're not. We're obviously... Tree? I mean, I know um, we are obviously not in quite as giddy a mood as we've been in certain recent <laughs> editions. Yes, can we apologise can we apologize for the Day of the Triffids? Oh, yes. Neither, no, neither no. of us have taken anything. <laughs> no, it, made, it made sense on the Did day. It? Okay. Fine. Yes. It was, it was a... Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, according to the... Uh, the um, rather minimalist DVD released. Yeah. Uh, so, so given that as, as a program that nobody seems to remember very much, mm. or at least if they do remember it, they don't uh, talk. You know, it's not a, a series that's talked about much. I mean, we've talked about this actually when we did Fortunes of War, didn't we? Yeah. Is that some shows sort of fall between the cracks and they're never heard of again. Mm -hmm. uh, so the fact that it got a DVD release, I suppose, is uh, is interesting of of itself yes I, agree. Um, I don't know where i got my copy from <clears throat> but in 1903 under the gathering storm clouds of the russo japanese war a young scotswoman is trapped in a loveless marriage far away from home adapted by oscar-winning dangerous liaisons writer christopher hampton from oswald Wynne's novel the ginger tree is a lavish mini-series set in england japan and taiwan in 1903, Mary Mackenzie, Samantha Bond, joins her aloof diplomatic fiancé in Manchuria. She marries him and finds herself in a war zone. God, that's exciting. That sounds exciting. Doesn't it? it? Yeah. Disenchanted with her husband. Yeah, we can see why. She finds herself drawn to a Japanese aristocrat, Count Kentaro. Which is Boo! Boo! Kentaro. <laughs> now, is that uh, Daisuke Ryu? Is that right? Sounds Daisuke good. Ryu? Sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'm going with that. <laughs> right, okay. She, well, I, I, it's the accents, you know. Yeah. <laughs> she scandalously becomes pregnant with his child and chooses to travel with her lover to Japan. Little does she know that Count Kentaro is already married, making Mary no more than a concubine, in inverted commas. Yeah. Even worse, she is mortified to find that she will not be allowed to keep her child. So begins Mary's 40-year saga, during which she strives to carve out a place for herself in Japanese society. Throughout the ordeal, she faces a constant cultural cold shoulder. Constant cultural cold shoulder. We like that. Both <laughs> as a woman and a, both as a woman and as a Westerner. Mm. Woman Westerner. Yeah, constant cultural. Yeah, it's some nice alliteration in that. Mm. It's not the worst written one. I think it's quite accurate, but as it's, you say, it basically tells you the plot. So as you there say, you go. It, bye. As you say, it does sound more exciting on the mm. back of the cover. Can I tell you? Can we? Can I ask? I've got a question for ten points. Okay. What other A to Z drama did Christopher Hampton write? Oh crikey! Ah, um, I've got you. I can't remember. I've got you. Well, yeah, I, I, you expect me to research this. <laughs> 
something else. He wrote the script for The History Man. The History Man. Yeah. I was was tending towards, but I thought, no, that was Plato. That's The History Man. Could you think, I can't think of anything less like The Ginger Tree than The History Man. (laughs) Well, four episodes, they've got that in common. Oh, yeah. One of these things is not like the other. I don't know whether anyway, we, yes. did we cover Christopher Hampton's accolades last time because I've got a few things here. He I'm not sure we did. He got two Oscars for Dangerous Liaisons and The Father adapted screenplays. He was nominated for Atonement. He also wrote the musical Sunset Boulevard, which is obviously a famous right. one. He also wrote the scripts for Hotel de Lac and the play of Liaison Dangereuse mm. and of course The History Man. Mm. Recently he wrote and produced Singapore Grip, which oh, right. is Something I started to watch and I didn't get mm. through it because I really didn't like it. Mm. So it's right up my street, Singapore, as the war breaks out. But honestly, mm. I just couldn't get along with it. It was like one of those modern dramas where everyone has to have something wrong with them. Or it was ah. so stereotyped, I couldn't deal. Anyway, was was there a lot of loud music and shouting, shouting there, there instead no, of emotion? No helicopters, <laughs> but it was just no, no helicopters. Actually, I know Japanese invasion. You've got excuse. Maybe there were. I don't remember. <laughs> Anyway, um, it was pl- this series was planned in 1983 in the first instance. Blimey. Alan Shulcross and Tim Ironside Wood, um, mm. executive producers. It was their brainchild. Brainchild. Mm. And mm. Tim is best known for Tumble Down. He was an associate producer on Tumble ah, Down, which is right. that's definitely a worthy contender for tea at some point. I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, even though I've never seen it. Um, um, no, I don't think there's... I mean, I've never seen this. I, I think that actually sometimes is an advantage coming to something that you've yeah. not actually seen before. I, I I think you do get a, a more raw reaction to it. Whether or not it's the reaction that people hope you're going to have is, is a different thing. Yes, but, we will, but we I, will think, come, I think seeing we'll things cold is actually a good idea. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. It was directed by Anthony Garner and mm-hmm. Morimasa Matsumoto. Mm-hmm. Um, the executive producer, who was apparently very hands-on, the other one, was mm-hmm. now Nori Kawamura, who was with okay. this older Japanese gentleman who kind of ruled with a rod of iron. Ah. And Thelma Helsby, the production assistant, mm-hmm. basically was running around like a mad person for w- months trying to please him with how the production was going to be made. Mm. Do you know who Thelma Helsby is? Does the name ring a bell with you at all? Should Thelma it? Helsby. Not off the top of my head. No, she's the she's I, the. I said I've done no research for this she's, one. <laughs> she's the sister of Eileen Helsby. So it's just more okay. interesting to me. She um, El, Eileen the Helsby, Helsby was Charmian Wentworth in Survivors, ah. and she also appears in the Ark as Venusa in Doctor Who. Anyway, so, so basically the the uh, two degrees of separation of yes Mister Andy Priestner <laughs> yes <laughs> works although again. Never, although I never talked to Eileen Helsby, so it's not really close. Um, <laughs> In the Radio Times, there was a feature at the time about mm. basically the feature behind the scenes on the ginger tree is all about Thelma Helsby having to deal with the the detail and the culture mm. of Japan by having to impress now Naori Kawamura, the executive producer, and mm. it was described as a, a very delicate entente cordiale and a, and real. Is cla- that because she was a woman? Possibly, very I'm just possibly, because, considering the. What actually yeah. happens within the production? I did actually wonder whether that attitude had yeah. persisted into the 1980s. Could easily be. Mm. Um, it was filmed in Japan, Taiwan, and the Isle of Man. Ah. And during production, the crew 
dubbed the Isle of Man the Isle of Manchuria because it was doubling for Manchuria, but it was also doubling for Scotland. Mm. What about the actors? Before we get into how we felt, what about the actors? Mm. So, had you... Samantha Bond. Samantha Bond. Samantha Bond. (laughs) Daughter of Ganatus, no less. That's how I like to think Mm. of her. (laughs) She's dull. She's very good, Samantha Bond. She is. I mean, she did four Bond films, didn't she, as Miss Moneypenny? Mm Mm-hmm. Downton Abbey, Outnumbered, Miss Wormwood mm-hmm. in the Sarah Jane Adventures, mm-hmm. Julia Simmons in Murder is Announced, delicious. Mm-hmm. The best thing I've ever seen her in was she was an f- incredibly sexy Lady Macbeth to an incredibly sexy Sean Bean in a theatre production of Macbeth. Um, what about the others? Adrian Rawlins, we know him, don't we? I believe so. I, I, it's, it's name, his name does ring a bell. Yeah, I couldn't think, oh. and then I saw Arthur Kidd in Woman in Black. Ah, yes. of course. Yes. So, I mean, like I say, whenever we record these things, it, it literally, my brain just downloads that to the bin. And I forget, <laughs> I forget everything we've ever said about it. Well, that's because we, we do process a lot. And then the mm. other main cast members, Fumi Dan, who played Aiko Onodira, who was an established household name in Japan. Um, and then you have Daisuke Ryu, who was Count Kentaro Kurihama. And he was a rising star in Japan at the time. He was in Kagamusha and Ran, both mm. big Japanese films. Mm. Um, he was actually Korean, and he died last year, just aged just right. 64. Right. You also get uh, people like uh, Nicholas Le Provost, who yes. basically yes. seemed to corner the market in pompous yes. Aristos, yes. really. The Claude MacDonald. And um, yes. Nicholas Farrell, who now advertises things for old people. So that's nice. Yeah, what did he do in between? Because he was quite important for a while. Nicholas oh, he's, he's a good actor. He's a good actor. He's very Farrell, good. But, yeah. but I, I keep being quite surprised when he pops up in those adverts. <laughs> That's Nicholas Farrell. Why is he doing this? It for the money, love for the money. There was a there was a pandemic, you know. <laughs> so that was a really lengthy introduction, um, mm-hmm. with lots of facts, fact packed. Mm. I really mm. want to know what you thought, and then I'll share what I thought. Okay, well, two things really. The first thing is is interesting that you did mention the Isle of Man. I, I, I did spend probably far too much time idly speculating how much of this was filmed in a park in Surrey, um, <laughs> rather than actually. Uh, it turns out none of it. But uh, <laughs> I was I I did genuinely thought that there was a lot of places dressed up to look a bit like Japan that weren't. Sure. Yeah. Wait. Basically, I thought there must be some uh, park or temple or or uh, Japan town areas in. I mean, funnily enough, a lot of the locations reminded me of uh, the park in San Francisco, ah. which has has lots of sort of Jap- Japanese templing going on, um, with, with the Golden Gate Park in, mm. in San Francisco. And I just I remember going to that area of it, and, and that was what it was making me think of. But a lot of, there was sort of rivers with sort of slightly japanesey buildings next to them and and japanese bridges and i was thinking uh, it had i hate to say theme park attributes but Mm -hmm. i i did i spend a lot of time wondering about that i suspect the reason i was wondering about that is i wasn't madly drawn to the story right yeah yeah. i i did watch this back in may Mm -hmm. and i watched all four of them the what got me was it i but you watched it I again, watched... but you only watched episodes one and four, is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's all I had time for this yeah, week. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I remember very vividly, I, I I hated the first episode with a passion. Uh-huh. I felt generally I was watching this and I was saying, oh, God, I've got to watch another three of these. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's because the plot 
progressed like treacle. Mm-hmm. It was nothing much happened for a very long time. Yeah. Now, that is is to do it a disservice, and that's actually very unfair of me. I'll come back to that. Okay. But I watched it in in May, and I thought to myself, oh. God, what am I going to find to say about this? I'm still wondering that now, actually. <laughs> but, but it, and I wrote my notes and everything like that, and I put it on the shelf, and summer happened. And what's interested me is when we were, we finally sort of managed to schedule this recording session, how much of it had stayed with me, the images in it, a lot of the images, and not necessarily the plot, not necessarily the whole storyline, but there were moments in it. Yeah. Especially of, of Samantha Bond, which had genuinely stuck with me more than I expected to. I mean, some of the other shows we've done, I'd like to say, you, you mentioned The History Man. I couldn't actually tell you off the top of my head, apart from, you know, I, I, there's a very good episode where they have an academic. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I couldn't actually tell you off the top of my head really a great deal about it today. Yeah. I mean, I could look it up and yeah. it would come back. Yeah, I know what you mean. But, but the actual imagery of this did stay with me and I was surprised at that I, you know the overall overarching story was you know it's simple it's a very simple story yeah. in a lot of ways uh but I, I was surprised it stuck with me and so maybe it's it's better than I think it is okay that's, but that's... that first episode specifically yeah oh, and I think I found a review somewhere which said that the first two episodes are better than the second two episodes. Oh, I don't know whether I agree I, with that. Interesting. No, well, th- th- this was... I think I found that after I'd watched episode one because I was genuinely trying to find a reason for watching this. <laughs> Other than having to do it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I thought, well, I'll find out what happens. You know, see at least so I know where the, the thing's going. And 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 one of the reviews at the time had, had basically said that it, you know the first two episodes are, are very good and but then it gets predictable and samey and, and and you know doesn't really tell you anything new in the second half and i can i kind of see what they're saying but i understood where the plot was going but i actually felt slightly differently about it i actually felt it picked up a bit in the second half yeah i did too i watched the first episode and i too didn't enjoy it and i was like oh i confidently said on one of the episodes recently in the last few months about how yes but I always pick really good um period dramas (laughs) and and I always think you know I've canned picked and all this stuff Mm. but I thought I remembered this from 1989 I really didn't I think the only thing I remembered from first broadcast really was the scene of the night of the dead when they're floating the lanterns on the water and how Ah. beautifully filmic that was Mm. but the rest of it I had completely forgotten I had no memory at all of her becoming this Western saleswoman and that fashion crap and all of that. Oh, the <laughs> Japanese House of Elliot. Yes, I wrote episode three gets a bit House of Elliot. <laughs> but overall... You see, we agree. Yeah, I know, we agree. Overall, I kind of didn't really enjoy it and I couldn't decide whether mm. I didn't enjoy it because of the subject matter or mm. because I didn't like it full stop. Mm. And I'm not sure where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I have written down, um, which intrigues me, yeah. is I think this actually works very well in parallel with uh, the Cousin Bet uh, production we we watched for uh, our C yeah. episode this season. Because they're both adaptations of 
novels, mm -hmm. if you like. Yeah. But what got me was how the adaptation of Cousin Bet really had pace and intrigue and you know, really carried you along with it. Yeah. And this adaptation, despite the Oscars, you know, really, I didn't feel carried along with it. I didn't feel invested in the characters at all no. for a very large chunk of it. I mean, I don't know whether I just lack empathy or whatever. To be clear, the Oscars are for Christopher Hampton doing other, completely other things. This didn't get, oh, yeah. This yeah, didn't I get any that. awards. I get that. But, um, yeah, I'm well, the same. I believe I thought... it got a BAFTA for oh, right. Best Video Lighting. Oh, gosh. That's always a, <laughs> a, that's always a clue, isn't it? That it's not as good as everyone thought it was going to be. And, and having looked at the video or the DVD, I think, really? <laughs> Maybe they got to see what, the, what, maybe the BAFTA panel were the only people who got to see it in HD. I doubt it though. What, what was it up against? Warriors of the Deep. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, no, wrong year, but good, good shout. Um, yeah, I didn't feel invested either, and I was actually just, I was furious. Actually, I was actually right. furious at what she went through as a character, Mary McKenzie, mm. and the, the treatment by by Count Kentaro. And the idea that you were meant to have any sort of sympathy for him or think that anything that he did or was mm. uh, was okay when it clearly mm. wasn't. Mm. And it was a disgustingly abusive relationship. Mm. I just couldn't deal with it. Mm. And it was just such a surprise to me how different it was to how I thought it was. Mm. But at least that proves that you care about the characters. I mean, you know, I mean, whether if, if somebody at least makes you angry, at least you are reacting to it. I actually found the sort of languidity and, and almost the the monotone of the performance. I, I, I Again, I, I find all that, I suppose it's that stifled up emotion that everybody's showing all the way through. Actually, it starts to, it starts to detach you as a viewer, if you see what I mean. You actually start to not empathise with them because they're not showing any emotion or any passion or any anything. They are. I mean, you could see you could see the the wobbly lip of of Samantha Bond and 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 how incredibly put upon she was. But and and that actually does come across very well. You you basically sort of sympathise with her position or her various positions, as it. You know, I better rephrase that. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I but, do. But the other characters, they all they play it so repressed. That is very difficult to watch. You know, there's the the lack of passion is really difficult because you you as a viewer aren't you're not emotionally invested in them because they aren't emotionally invested in each other Imagine what it must be like in winter. I'll be glad to get out of Russia. The first officer says it's very dangerous. Where you're going? Not really. It was during the Boxer Rising, but that's all over now. He said they did terrible things. Yes. In Shanxi province, everyone in our mission was killed and their heads displayed on pikes. Aren't you frightened? The man you've come out here to marry, Mr... Collingsworth. How many times have you met him? Twice in Scotland, and then I spent a weekend with his family in Norfolk. Why? I put myself in God's hands. Whatever may happen, I know I have nothing to fear. 
But if I were on my way to spend my life with somebody I'd only met three times, I might really be frightened. Should we get into episode one? We, yes, we can, yes. Yes. So, episode one, we both struggled with. It begins yes. with... There's kind of a few flashbacks, but they're a bit weird. It's uh, a wedding, isn't it? It's a wedding. Yeah, it's Mary's wedding in Manchuria. Wedding-y, yeah. wedding-y nonsense. Yes. yes. And she's going to marry someone she's met three times before, which someone points out might be a mistake. Um... Mr. Collingsworth, played by Adrian Rawlins, he's a bad yeah. hat. He's obviously a bad hat straight away. Or is he? Because he's not that bad. He's just very bad at sex, isn't he? I, I think mean, if you've not met many people in your life and somebody agrees to marry you and you don't know any better, in that era anyway, yeah. that, that period of time, I suspect you just didn't know any better. I mean, I, I do... I, I mean, one of the things I've written down here is, run away now! <laughs> And we're, and we're five minutes into it, you know. His first line is a red flag. I'm addicted to danger. Mm. <laughs> like, really? Okay, well... Might as well face it. I'm addicted to danger. <laughs> You're obviously a loon. Mm. And then he cheats yeah. at croquet immediately. Bad. Mm. Um, yes. So, mm. obviously, it's going to not go well. But as it went on, I actually thought that he was possibly even a nicer guy than Count Kentaro. Mm. So we'll get to that. But anyway, um, what else have uh, we got about uh, you also, Well, you also get, I mean, this is all tied up with a lot of colonial bollocks, really, isn't it? I mean, and, and that doesn't sit well with with a modern audience yeah. either. Yeah. Uh, there's an awful lot of patronising nonsense about Britain and the world and our place in it and all that kind of thing, which, yeah. or England and the world, if you prefer. And, um, and it, oh God! I mean, one of the things that did strike me, generally speaking, about the overall production was this sense that it actually feels more relevant now because of some of the stuff that's going on in our world. Now. Yes, the rise there's, of there's a lot of yes. there's a lot of Japanese racism against Westerners. Yeah. Uh, so we see it from the other side of the, uh, you know, the coin. Yeah. But gen- generally, that stuff. If you're someone who thinks, "Yo, go get them." blooming foreigners you're probably going to like it more than someone who sits there feeling oh god weren't we awful yeah you know so so maybe there's a immediately that sort of bad taste uh, comes into it and i think if it was made again now which i can't see why it would be but i would make more of the colonialism even more and make more of the rise of nationalism there was one really interesting thing in episode four where someone said Oh, perhaps the Japanese got a taste for colonialism and from invading and and the war and everything from the British, mm. from gathering, you know, all those countries mm. and the empire. And I thought that was a really interesting, rich vein that could have been tapped earlier. Because mm. um, I, I didn't really think about or realise how much the, there was an element where the Japanese were copying the British and they felt mm. that the British were close cousins. Did you ever know that that's how they felt about us and they felt that we, we, we were similar? Uh, I hadn't really, I hadn't really picked up on that. But I suppose if you, if you take it from purely the sort of island nation with world domination issues, yeah, I yes, yes, there is exactly, a lot of, a exactly. Lot of similarity. Yeah, small island nation, yeah. big plans. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, never occurred to me before. Your ambassador called us a British of the Far East. I remember. I think he thought this was a compliment. I think he did. 
I don't deny it. We have our own rigidities, but very different from yours, I believe. I'm afraid I know very little about your country. You must read. If you're interested me, you must read Lafka de Johan. Who? Lafka de Johan. He's been living in Japan about 10 years and writing all about us. This is only a good side. So naturally, I'm a great admirer of his. Nicholas Farrell's good in it, as the as the, he as is, the, the father Anthony, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, well, I again, I I I was watching it thinking, oh well, he's going to be a main character, but he's only in that one episode. It's odd, isn't it? And there's a lot of there's a lot of characters who pop up for one episode and you never see again. Which, of course, I mean, you're covering a forty year time span of you know, it's it's a life story from that point of view. So it it, it makes sense. That, I mean, you know, I I don't talk to people I knew thirty years ago, you know, so, <laughs> but. I mean, I don't talk to people I knew yesterday. I knew you were going to say, I'm mean... waiting for that line. <laughs> That's how I feel as well at the moment. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the thing is that it just in terms of a, a drama, you kind of think, oh, that's an interesting character. Oh, they've gone. That's an interesting yeah. Oh, they've gone. You know, And I feel sometimes that maybe that's not the adaptation's fault because it's the nature of the book, mm. but it, it just sort of... Again, if you are going to invest in characters, funnily enough, I found him one of the characters I could invest in in that opening episode and maybe you know he'd come back i, I just assumed like a lot of you know uh chekhov's this or chekhov's you know, chekhov's gun stuff is that when you introduce a character they are going to somehow play a role later yeah but maybe you know, because that... it's a novel they they don't necessarily do mm. that mm. um so i had lots of notes about incredibly functional sex <laughs> I think it's the best. Well, just just you're gonna you're gonna just put uh, Andy's ten point guide to incredibly yes. dysfunctional yeah, exa sex. Yes, exactly. Uh, starting now, <laughs> number one. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it was it's like not good, is it? it was ten seconds each time. I, you, I do love that sequence in uh, episode one where he sort of you know the, his wife has turned up at this house. I think I think he looks well miffed that she's because he seemed to think he was gonna get married and then bugger off for three months and not have to put up with her. Yes, like that. but but when when she turns up, it's like, oh, oh, what are you doing here? Um, uh, here's your bedroom. Here's my bedroom. I like no. it tidy, and yeah. and you just sort of think, run away now, run away. Yeah. But I wrote down <laughs> but, at the yeah. time, this man is a heartless cad, and he kind of mm. was. But I think he was just the product of that age, really, and product he, of his time. Yes. yes, absolutely. And he didn't know how to talk to women because he'd never been taught how to talk to women. He's probably only known nanny in the nursery, and mm. and he just didn't know that he had he should kiss. Um, mm. the, her or, or hug or anything because he probably had no love himself yeah. and he basically co comes in has a, has a quick bang and then says thank you very much nothing goes again yes, yes that's <laughs> and, <it>. and <laughs> I think there's an, another scene in the same episode uh, which sort of uh, implies that they are that this happens regularly or irregularly but then she said you know don't you want to stay and he's like no, 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 not really <laughs> Exactly. It's like, why, why would I? Um, yes. Yeah. I want to go back to my room and slip one over my thumb. Yes. I, I kind of, felt, no. yeah, I kind yeah, of felt like um, he, he, he learned how to have sex from his soldier mates. And they said, this is what you do. You stick it, you stick it in. <laughs> As them, it were. You move up and down a bit and then you withdraw. Um, withdraw to a, a safe area. Uh, <laughs> I just felt that... On the on the battlefield, on a Flanders field somewhere, you, you, yes. you, you, you take your infantry up 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 the chasm, as it were. Oh God! Um, yeah. Yes. So 
Basically, it'd probably it, they'd have probably had a better sex life if they'd done it on the wargaming table. I think that's basically what. Yes, um, exactly. It'd have been more excited. I feel. But he he just loves the war. He loves being a soldier. That's what he loves. Mm. That's his first love. And mm. it's not that he's terrible to her, but mm. he's just she just doesn't matter. She's just a trophy wife. She looks okay, you know. Mm. But um, yeah, all this. Bedroom stuff. It doesn't matter in the least. No. Of course it doesn't. So then we have Count Kurihama, who's um, introduced. Mm. And it's interesting because I actually wrote that. That point I wrote compare with Tenko, and I can't remember why I wrote that. Oh, interesting. But there was there was something that reminded me of Tenko at that. It maybe the fl- flirty dinner, but maybe it was more the, the, uh, the you know the, you know her relationship with her husband and um, and Belle, yeah, and Belle's relationship with her husband in that. Yeah. It maybe it reminded me of that because he was the same sort of stuffy, oh, okay. uh, army officer type yeah. and without and you were there as almost the women were there almost as just decoration they weren't really there to actually contribute or they just you had to have a wife because you were a brigadier or a general or something but but you know shut up and and and, and listen while the men are talking this yeah. sort of thing was going on so you get a lot of flirt there's a bit of a flirty dinner when she starts chatting up um chatting up the count really mm-hmm. yeah but but then I mean it was a very slow episode I agree treacly mm. slow and when it got to the point where she actually went to bed with him, I was actually mm. quite scandalised because I thought, you're not thinking about her at all. You literally have got your end away with her. You haven't thought about the consequences. You haven't mm. used protection. You haven't even... Con- I don't know whether they even had it in 1903. Well, mm. they would have had something rubber, I think. But, mm. um, but <laughs> 1903 contraception with Andy Priestner. <laughs> <laughs> but, We're going to have lots of interludes to this episode, aren't we? Exactly. Top, top ten Edwardian <laughs> contraception yes. methods. Number ten. It's a countdown to number one. <laughs> anyway, it was really, really terrible of him. And I was suddenly like, no, mm. Kurihama's going to be the bad guy because he's just lured her with his mm. sexual charms to have mm. to have it away with. And he's not even... The consequences, he's just been so wrong. And mm. as they say later, effectively made her his concubine. I'm thinking that's all okay, mm. pay for her. And I know that's episode mm. two. But... Mm. I thought that was terrible behaviour, and I couldn't even mm. forgive him for that. And that's before mm. even he does other things. I was I mm. was really quite shocked that he took advantage in that way, mm. and and also that she, I know she had a terrible time with him in bed, but I was mm. quite surprised she did it as well. Yeah, but I mean, I mean that's quite signposted, isn't it? I mean, there's the picnic where there's the other couple who are all lovey dovey. Oh, she's they were feeling... annoying. Isabel after and Armand. He... Yeah. yeah. After after her husband has said, "All right, I'm off for three months. Bye. Yeah. Oh, here's fifty pounds, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and yeah. all that stuff. You know, it, it, you get all that stuff, and then she sort of meets uh, the count again, who's when he's in his spy mode, when he's oh uh, yes, well, I thought this yeah. could be exciting. No, makes him interesting, <laughs> you know, and everything. Like that. What does interest me actually, I because I, I, I didn't. Um, I, I, one of the things that I just wondered about is is acting in a second language harder. Yeah. Than, in acting in your first language it must be so maybe there was a little bit of that going on i don't know i mean maybe it's not a second language but i i just i just thought well maybe that that explains the awkwardness of some of these scenes but right maybe 
I think that tea ceremony was meant to be erotic. But I just found it so boring. I was oh, like, yes, the smouldering. and I was like, Smouldering leading we, to shenanigans, yes. I was like, please, can we just end this scene? Honestly, I was just, mm. no, I'm not here for this. Mm. And that, that's the point. By this point, far into episode one, I was thinking, Martin hates me because I know he's already watched all of this. He must really hate me putting him through all this. <laughs> Just before we get into episode two, I had a note mm. about at one point I've written someone has a whole bird on their hat. <laughs> Valentine even, Dial. I can't even remember who it was, but right. that's really funny because he said Valentine Dial just then. Because maybe there is a link because the ginger tree has the same costume design as the Armageddon uh, <laughs> Same costume design. Classy. Stick, a, stick this, stick this, crook, this, stick stick this, this crow on this giant bird on this person's hat. This is my, <laughs> this is my signature move. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, as as a uh, as as a uh, not not uh, necessarily very enthusiastic, but uh, as a bird watcher, someone who goes and watches birds, uh, the when you do see some of the uh, the late Victorian, early Edwardian uh, use of feathers on in clothing you do actually sort of think to yourself oh dear me how many birds actually had to right, die for this yeah, to happen yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but uh, there we go however so, i mean episode episode one basically well she's up to duff isn't she uh, no the, with the, our, our samantha uh, turning around and we see that she has ballooned somewhat in the winter yes she has she's got a little curry harmer in there and he's he's coming back and i was thinking wow we've got three episodes to go strap in mm. so Episode two starts with, it's really funny, <laughs> it reminded me of I'm a Celebrity Guy, Get Me Out of Here, which I don't watch, mm. but mm. I've got a friend who watched it, and his favourite thing of it is that guy who used to be the butler to Diana, I can't remember what he's called, what was he called, the guy who was, Ooh. the one who went public, no, and stuff. anyway. Durrell, something, Durrell, Ferrell, Ferrell, <laughs> Will Ferrell, let's say it was Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, let's say Will Ferrell, no, we don't know, anyway, he... He has this famous episode of I'm a Celebrity where he makes... Andrew inserts. <laughs> yes, where he makes sicky noises in the jungle um, oh, okay. for a long time. And that's what this reminds me of because cause Adrian Rawlins had to make sicky noises off camera because he's throwing up because of what is what what she's done. He can't, he's, he can't believe what she's done and she's got pregnant, etc. Well, she's only had twenty seconds of sex with you, Adrian. Let's be honest. Yes, yeah, so, uh, if you added them, if you add the each ten seconds, up. and she was, and he was, and you were away a long time. You know? <laughs> but um, I mean, not to justify anything, but you know, yeah. but you know, I think I think you throwing up about the fact that somebody else has um, been messing with your bird, as it were, <laughs> yeah. um, is, is it is a bit much, quite frankly. But there I mean, we go. Also, what's a bit much is that he, he still wants three hundred pounds a year from her mother because that's the. Ah, well, well, this again starts to tell you exactly, isn't it? It tells you exactly really what this arrangement was about. It wasn't anything about people. It was about, about money. An arrangement. Yeah, and that 
that does underline that he is a cad. But I do think it's not all his fault, even though mm. I'm not saying anything like pro-male. I just think mm. he was just... He, he just wasn't a good person, but he was also a broken mm. person, I think. Mm. But anyway, so she gets a ticket to Tokyo. She meets Japanese suffragette um, Aiko, who is an interesting character. Those, this is what I'm trying to... I was trying to work out. I've written down here, bouncy chair. <laughs> <laughs> bouncy chair. And I was thinking... Bouncy, but it's those those, those um, carry uh, taxi things, wasn't it? That oh, they, yes, they used they after she met. And I just thought, yeah, they were hilarious. I yeah. like those. But, uh, but yeah, sorry. I was, yeah. Just, no, I, no, I was no, thinking, okay. why did I write bouncy chair? <laughs> well, this, yeah. So Aiko was really interesting because she was divorced and that was the most terrible thing you could mm. think of in Japan. And also mm. she was a suffragette. She was after the vote mm. and she was pro-women and she was barren. Are you married? No, I'm like you. I'm an outcast. To be a divorced woman is much more of a disgrace here than it ever could be in Europe. I'm not divorced. Yes, but I am. Onodera was very embarrassed by my politics, but he's a tolerant man. In the end, there was something else which affected him far more deeply. What was that? I'm barren. I can never have a child. Despite all that, like, I don't f- feel like she supported Samantha Bond enough, her character, mm. in that she knew that the baby would be taken from her mm. and didn't warn her. And she knew mm. also that she was effectively Kentaro um, Kurohama's concubine and didn't really mm. say anything about that. So it was all mm. unsaid. And I thought that was remarkably cruel for someone who was meant to be pro-women and a suffragette. I thought that was odd. Mm. I didn't didn't like that it didn't sit with me well that of course it's it is her who tells samantha bond's character that we must i must remember what her name is mary so mary mckenzie yeah mary that she um that she's that he's a married man which i think is again it sort of has that you know that air of the people who know a secret yeah <laughs> and they're going to be a bit cruel by telling you it yeah it's that, it's that thing from uh song and dance isn't it you know uh, I've got news for you I knew before, you know. Yes. To be oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Marty Webb. Yeah. yeah. Take that look off yes. your face. You know. <laughs> yeah. I could see through your smile. You would love to be right. I bet you didn't sleep good last night. Couldn't wait to get all, all of that, that bad, bad news, news to my door. Well, I've got news for you. <laughs> I knew <laughs> before. <laughs> Unexpected Marty Webb moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, anyway, um,. Yeah. Keep, keep, I, I keep, inter- I'll wake him up. <laughs> I was interested by the cultural elements. I have to say they were yes. well done. Like the three obediences when Iko was talking about mm. how she's going on a speaking tour to mm. unpick the three obediences that Japanese women mm. were suffering under. And they were first to mm. your parents, then to your husbands and his par- your husband rather and his parents, mm. and then finally to your sons, that you have to obey all those people during your life. So basically you're permanently a slave. And that was really interesting that she was unpicking that and that was that was nice mm-hmm. colour and any time when I was getting good. Japanese culture stuff I was like oh that's interesting but it was also again depressing but there's a lot of I mean it's very this 
bit is, is very well made. I, I, I remember the, the train, the panning across from the train and, and the amount of extras. I mean, this has got, this has got money thrown at it, yeah. you can tell. You know, it's it's a very it's a very lavish production. Weirdly, to then shoot it on murky videotape and or HD that we never see, as we know. Yes, exactly. Uh, but it's I mean, because you get them I mean, again, the lanterns and all this. You know, it 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 is very beautiful mm-hmm. and yet not at the same time. And it's kind of kind of weird. That. Yeah, I know. I mean, I we know, get the obligatory birthing scene, don't we? Which I suspect yeah. all actresses have to actually. Yeah. If they go to drama school, they say, right, you you got to learn how to have a bye bye. So we have the the theatre scene where she goes to the theatre mm. and it's foreshadowing the fact that she will become a mourning mother. And mm. that's kind of beautifully shot and that's a really art, yes. artistic theatre moment and brilliant mm. acting um, of the theatre per, um, the performer. But... Mm. It was interesting that all the actors were men and it was saying this, you know, this shows that we're just basically still in Shakespeare's time in, in, mm. in Japan. But afterwards, because I thought, well, I'd forgotten completely that her baby got stolen um, from her mm. and all that by Kurihama. But afterwards, mm. it felt like that foreshadowing was a bit clumsy because they kept showing that scene again. And I was like, mm. yeah, we get it. It's painful. Yeah. I don't know. It just mm. it felt like drama's moved on since then and sometimes it's not quite so obvious as that that felt a bit mm. like because i know this was also the ginger tree let in me... case you haven't got it yes bang think, hammer hammer and i think it's because yeah. the ginger tree was principally made for american audiences mm. um because wgbh boston was involved and they were mm. because apparently the ginger tree was most successful the book in america mm. right so they were keen that the americans understood it and I think that's mm. why sometimes things were hammered home a bit too much. Why is she so unhappy? She's found her son but cannot keep him with her. He's agreed to go away and not disgrace her. But now she cannot bear to see him leave breaks her heart. Well, there definitely has to be, uh, certainly in, in the, the, to explain what's happening, you, you do have to ram home the differences in the culture and this mm. is, this is, this happens because of this, yeah. because of this, because of this. Uh, but it, do, it sometimes in that sequence does seem very leaden, you know. Yeah. And, um, and we should say there's some beautifully shot scenes, the cinematography, and it does feel like a film mm. in those bits, like the lantern sequence and when she goes for that walk. And I did like the cycling bloomers as well, and that was quite fun. Do I almost look Japanese? And she's wearing these <laughs> these Edwardian cycling bloomers, which I just... I, I, again, I, there, were, there were some very nice costume touches in there, to be honest. When it goes on into the third episode and she's designing clothes, Western-style clothes for Japanese women, and you do kind of look at them and think, yeah, they're not going to last beyond the, the First World War. <laughs> no, quite. That look, you know. But anyway, sorry. So, no, it's fine. Um, it's Kentaro Kurihama, to give him his full name. I kept, kept mixed up which was his name, but it's Kurihama is it's kind of effectively a surname, isn't it? Kurihama arrives mm-hmm. and visits his son. This is before he obviously decides to take him. And the fact that he thinks his son's in a cage is interesting. And it's a Oh, it's yes. A yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is a very weird sequence. And it, 
it's interesting uh, from from a cultural point of view mm. that did actually fascinate me because in the west we do tend to put our children in cages very very you know it, it, be it our cot or mm. you know we, people did used to put these uh, things on the floor to stop them running about or, or burning themselves in the kitchen yes, or whatever. Yeah. But I, I, again, you kind of assume that would be sort of international from a practical point of view. Yeah. You know, because. But then you uh, think of you, know, you think of the layout of Japanese homes and they just don't mm. have barriers and things between. Maybe that's the feng shui, mm. but it's all about mm. it being open, isn't it? And no restriction. Mm. And that's Japanese open plan living. It must be a pain in the arse when oh, you've got yeah. little kids running around yeah. i mean not not i've ever had little kids running around thankfully but um but no it, it must it must i mean you must spend your your entire life in a state of high anxiety <laughs> that's all i can say and of course uh high anxiety uh samantha bond plays very well so yeah i don't like to see this when he learns to crawl i i thought it might reduce the risk of accidents i don't want my son in the cage I see. I, I just kept writing down about male privilege and how toxic mm. Kurihama is because I think he was meant to be sort of like a romantic lead that the women watching certainly and, and some other men let's mm. let's let's be equal equal about about sexual mm-hmm. preferences. Um, they mm. you were meant he to was find, omni appealing. Yes, you were meant to find him attractive, and I just was mm. sickened by him because of what he'd done to her. Mm. Even more so when the child got mm. taken away. Well, this again was where I started. Uh, to suspect this was, you know, uh, kind of it was a piece of feminist fiction. You know, it, kind yeah. of, it, it felt that this was being very much written that all, all, all these, you know, this situation was being written from a very a female point of view, which is, you know, excellent. But considering, you know, the ad, the adapter was male and the writer of the book was male, yeah. I think that is is kind of fascinating that I assumed it was. You know, a late seventies feminist tract, really. Well, I'm I'm intrigued, and I don't know the answer to this, but, mm. and I don't know whether it is, it is important. But mm. as someone who is gay himself, I do wonder whether Oswald Wind was gay and whether Christopher Hampton's gay. But I thought that might be an interesting thing to know, and whether that informs the way that Wind wrote and Hampton was keen to adapt it. I, d- I don't know how relevant that is, but it was just, it was the preoccupation with the the female character mm. and her experiences. It's difficult, though, because, I mean, you know, you don't necessarily have to be gay to be interested no, exactly. in writing exactly. female characters. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's something that some people like to latch on to. It's some things that people yeah. just don't necessarily... I mean, I, I, you know, we, you just can't really... Uh, yeah, you, know, you can't make that assume. You yes, can't assume exactly, no, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, towards the end of episode two, so the Taro, the the kid, is stolen from her, mm. and difficult scene that oh, to watch actually. Yeah, I thought. And when she's mm. shouting at the the maid, who's the servant told screaming that, at yeah. her. Yeah. Mm. Was it the maid who actually took her? Yes, took him away. Took him it away was, and yeah. said, oh, "I'm just going to take her to this place, him to this place," mm. and yeah. And that, I mean, you can imagine as as. Again, as a as a parent watching that on television at home, oh yeah, you would find that very difficult. Oh yeah, as, as a, just something to watch, you know. It's, and and it, you, the empathy of the of the uh, the audience is obviously being sort of plucked there. And yeah. and the, then you suddenly realise when it's all explained about the adoption and how he's a, a yoshi, someone who's adopted into a family as if it's he's their own. 
um, that the the crucial point was that Taro looked more like Kurihama than he did like his mother, and it was the fact that he he was Japanese looking was the key that Kurihama was like right I can take him away and he can be raised mm. as a Japanese man because he does look more mm. Japanese we can get away with it mm. and that crucial scene I hadn't realized how crucial it was at the time was him saying oh you think so he looks more Japanese oh you can't tell him apart oh right and he makes the decision in that moment his name is Taro what Taro is the name I've chosen for him Ah. <laughs> he looks almost Japanese. Almost? Yes. I'd say he looked entirely Japanese. Would you? Would you say that? Not to put too fine a point on it, it's a fundamentally racist society, you know, that's that's being portrayed here. I mean, I'm not saying that's more modern. Japan is like I'm just saying at the time yeah it's fundamentally you know because even uh, you know well obviously uh, uh, people of who you know, of, of mixed uh, parentage mm -hmm. uh, used to be very much you know looked down on in in, in, in that world and, and something else I want to touch on about the racism within Japan which I'd never understood or knew before mm. was that the Hokkaido island which is where Oswald Wind was interned has mm. had a massive population of indigenous population of people called the mm. Ainu, who were more like Russian, um, more well, they were definitely you know, lighter skinned and looked more sort of like Russian, Russo China, sort of more that side of the world and looks, and then they and they weren't Japanese looking at all, and they were systematically exterminated or infiltrated in, you know brought into they had they were they, i think the women were taken from their husbands and forced to marry japanese men so that you know that mm. they would be bred out of them to be ainu and this ancient culture of ainu was devastated and destroyed and now i think in japan only there's only 300 pure ainu that survive and mm. it's only two years ago that the japanese government and formally announced the existence of this indigenous population. Until mm. then, they'd always said, "We are we are the, this island nation who have had the same race only for thousands of years," and it just wasn't mm. true. So that that stuff about racism was another aspect that I hadn't learned about. I mean, I read that I read mm. around. It's not in the ginger tree, but I mm. was fascinated by that. Mm. But again, I suppose when we you know, compare with something like uh, you know Tenko, that that second class citizens was a very big part yeah. of you know the women Huge. the women's role. Yeah. So you know, yeah. so it does it it does sort of creep into a lot of the the fiction that's yeah. based around. It. So, into episode three, he she mm. moves to a hotel because she won't take more of his money. She has to make money, so she becomes a fashion mm. designer. She becomes mm. one of the house of Elliot in episode three, <laughs> and I just thought. I just, I don't know, I felt it was just a little bit silly. I, I just couldn't take it seriously. And even though it's, mm. you know, I know it's not based on a true story, but it did amuse me. I found it hilarious, mm. and I don't think I was meant to. 
<laughs> no, it's it's yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a contrivance yes. for, to drive the plot, and and you and you kind of get that. I mean, it, it's all very nicely done. I mean, the, the you know the catwalk disaster that turns into a triumph, yes. all that stuff is. And the supervisor, the, the supervisor who hates yeah. her, who is transferred, yeah. and she ends and the up running the apartment and, and yeah. the apartment and yeah. yeah. Um, the, and, 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 yeah. and finding her place as a woman in the Japanese world. Yeah, right. all of that stuff, which is meant to be affirming, but I just didn't quite buy it. I don't know. There's one scene that I'd noted down when they were sewing through the night and they kept noting each other. It mm. reminded me of when they were making hats in Tenko in order to yes. save Blanche. Um, yes, yeah. same, yeah, same kind of beats, absolutely. Yeah. First, I'd need to spend some time preparing a collection. I'd want to study all the latest fashion magazines from Europe. Don't forget it's more than three years since I left. And use them as a starting point. Making whatever modifications may be necessary. Taking into account there are certain basic differences in the Japanese figure. Then I'd want to work with a team. Above all, I'd have to have a very good cutter. We could be ready in, let's say, three months? Two months? And you could donate all your present stock to a museum. Oh, now, Mr. Suzuki was interesting, wasn't he? The guy who kept trying to talk to her on the tram. Oh, yes, the chap, the chap on the, uh, the train or the tram. Yeah. The, uh, yes. And yeah, he was, he was, he was the, basically the strange stalker man yes, who, who wanted to learn English. And it turned out he was just, it was just Kurihama's man, wasn't he? He was his spy. Mm. But yes. didn't he genuinely? Want, he genuinely wanted to marry her, didn't he? Which was really yes. It was well, kind of sweet. It's interesting that because you also think that uh, was that to make sure she wasn't seeing other men. Oh, oh was God, it? that's even deeper. I hadn't even thought of that. Gosh, you know that's why he had that person spying on her to make sure that she wasn't putting it about, as it were. Well, he was a bit of a randy sod as well, though, or was he? Because he gave her that Karma Sutra gift, didn't he? Well. Mm, yeah, <laughs> It's well, they say it's a strange, strange, stalky man, but it kind of, it kind of, you know, it was. I guess in some ways it was quite sweet. Yeah. In some ways it was quite, you know. Yeah. You know, well, of course, then she also meets the the friendly American couple who keep popping out babies, which I suppose is when you keep these. Whenever she sees a baby on the tram, there's always a sort of long pause as she sort of <laughs> yes, exactly. we all realise what she's missing, and, <laughs> uh, and then then she meets these people who can't help but sort of shoot out babies like bullets. You yeah, know, it's kind of. It's kind of weird. Uh, of course, uh, the the husband of whom is uh, Charlie Dusenbury from uh, from uh, very peculiar practice, ah, the second series, you know, okay. uh, yeah. the, the assistant to the uh, chancellor, the vice chancellor. Yeah. But there we go. Yeah. That was just a, a strange connection. Yeah. So. Yeah. But basically, they're not happy. Oh, we get a couple of earthquakes as we well. We do. So this is again just because again, it's almost. <laughs> Sometimes you feel with these things that you feel you've got to, maybe it's underscoring, but you've got to have, what, what's Japan known for? Well, they have earthquakes. Well, we've got to have an earthquake. We've got to have an earthquake. <laughs> well, honestly, it did need something to liven it up. Be- Where's the volcanoes? Have you got any volcanoes? <laughs> Put some volcanoes in. Yeah. Helicopters? We need helicopters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, did, I did like the performance of her assistant. I'm afraid I don't know what her name was, but the, elder, the assistant who got older and spent all her time with her, I did like mm. her joy at being hired by samantha bond when she went set off on her own and i did love all all of that stuff but i'm a, I'm a sucker for that sort of well that's sort of again that, that female bonding stuff yeah that it, it serves this kind of production very very yeah. well you know yeah. because that it's us against the world and and the world's all full of horrible men and and yet somebody who may never have actually 
sort of risen to anything very much in their life is given this opportunity and that's all very affirming yeah. and, that, and that drives the plot because everybody's on your side yes you yes, know. yes yeah and it's it's nice to watch isn't it i guess hmm. but then you've got something that wasn't nice to watch end of episode three you've got curry harmer finally returning and hmm. he says you've changed and she said i had to and hmm. And they're talking about the war. And he's completely wrong because he thinks that Japan will fight on England's side at this point. Historically, I'd forgotten that that's where it was at, that mm. Japan was originally an ally or thought to be an ally. And then, of course, they were like, no, nah, actually, we've got this other route we can take. But aside from that, it's the fact that he comes and he still wants her after everything mm. he's done. The cheeky, I wrote down, cheeky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and and she, he's like, do you want me? He's like, sidles up to her and sort of, do you want me to leave? And I would have, if I had been Samantha Bonner, I'd say, yes, now fuck off, you bastard. You've stolen my son. Now get the fuck out of here before I kick then your face give, in. Give me some money. Yes. And, yeah. and she's like, no, I don't think I do. And I'm like, oh, really? What? Despite, mm. despite everything, I'm sorry, that's not good. Where's my son? Should I go away? I was going to say, have you forgotten me? Never. But yeah, she does, it, it's she, difficult. She does end that episode saying, every day I think of him about tarot. But mm. I felt like yeah, life is confusing and you do things and you accept things that you probably mm. shouldn't sometimes from different people because we're mm. complicated and mm. we we feel guilt sometimes for things we shouldn't or we sometimes mm. don't feel guilt for things we should. But mm. I felt that at this point in the drama, I just didn't buy that she would accept him back into her bed, mm. but maybe she was lonely all of these years that passed. I don't know, mm. but I just thought she wouldn't, she'd be reviled by mm. him, repulsed by him mm. because of what he'd done. But maybe that's saying something about human nature, and that is well. Where... This is it. I mean, again, this this is the romance storyline, isn't it? You know, with, with some circumstances keep bringing them together and taking them apart, mm. bringing them together and taking them apart. But actually, uh, if the relationship itself is as toxic as it appears to be, <clears throat> it's not necessarily. Uh, it it's not satisfying uh, dramatically. And I think that was the thing that most confused me about coming back to this after how many years, 33 years, was mm. that 17-year-old me, I think, thought this was a romantic drama and mm. I enjoyed that element of it. Now, mm. I do not see it as a romantic drama at all. And maybe that's because of the world has changed. I've definitely changed. But I now saw it as, as a piece about, how, about the oppression of women and how the patriarchy has, has always um, oppressed women. Can I see you again? I don't know. I must think. I'll write to you. Don't have me followed again. I don't want that. I think of you every day. Every day I think of him. But it's always difficult to come at these things um, with with whatever baggage you have. I mean, the world around us is different now. Yeah. 
you know, all that stuff about the war in Europe that's going on in the background to this story. And like you say, the Japanese uh, as far, were allies of, of the British at that at one point. Yeah. People, we, we, we seem to have become very emphatic as a nation about our place in the world and our relationship with other countries, depending on when, when or when they weren't the enemy. So we come at Japanese culture. I mean, they, they, we come at Japanese culture from a from a very um, very narrow point of view. And I think the interesting thing about this story is it's it it is written from somebody who lived inside that culture. Yes, and it's written about a character who lived inside that culture and actually didn't have a problem with living inside that culture for many years yeah. until the uh, stuff that starts happening in episode four when Japan becomes much more insular and closed off and wants all the, the foreigners yeah. out, which again is a story that uh, resonates a lot more oh, yeah. nowadays. Oh yeah, I mean, episode four, um, you know. that was so resonant and it really was like, oh God, this, this is actually interesting to me now. Episode four, st- the start of episode four, you know, the rise of Japanese nationalism, Mm. A flag in the window means a sun at the front. And I'm just thinking about how many mm. British flags have gone up in, in British gardens and in mm. windows in a way that they never had before mm. in the last few years. And it's just, yeah. It's, well, it's yes, this, this is it. I mean, you, you, I mean, we get a lot, a lot of that, you know, a lot of flag waving yeah. and a lot of, I mean, the, you know, her own chauffeur is offended when she s- says it's all, all looks very ridiculous. Did you work out who the chauffeur was? Um, I thought he looked familiar. I didn't quite... Go on. Captain Sato from Tenko. Really? Yeah, it's Sato, yeah, Sato. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a fascinating um, thing to me uh, is one of... You know, occasionally you see these discussions online of, and someone was one of these... I remember this happening in a thing mm-hmm. uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago and, and people suggesting what it might be that they're remembering. And someone was remembering uh, the... The, the beheading in uh, in Tenko oh, at the yeah. end, and I was sat there thinking, did that happen? Oh, yeah. I don't even remember yes, that. It it's very weird, but they, yeah. they 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 this is very stuck in their you know very much stuck in their mind, and I it, it passed me by completely. But they've been really disturbed by ah. it. So it's interesting how people remember different things yeah. from from programs. You yeah, know, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, no, no, a complete I, aside, yeah. completely irrelevant. Really. No, no. What I got really confused about here in episode four was the time shift. Suddenly it was actually something like 30 years later after the previous episode. Mm. And I didn't think that was... You get to put the grey hair and the makeup on. I know, and a bit wrinkly, and it was a bit BBC makeup of the time, and Mm. I just didn't quite buy it. Mm. Um, And and there's another reference to the the ginger tree that's growing outside. Well, isn't this the only reference? Well, that's what I did... I did wonder. No, it is. I, and it, yeah. it's like that's back to front storytelling or, or mm. TV making. I really was annoyed about that. So we. Mm. Well, when we think about, was it uh, Emerald? What was it called? We did three. Not Emerald Isle. What was it called? What's that? What we did for letter E. What was it? Emerald Enchanted, Isle. A- Enchanted April. Enchanted April. Yes. When we did Enchanted April, the, the whole story of that tree, because again, it's everything's connected oh, that God, we do, yes, apparently, yeah. but was very much referred to in, in, in you know, throughout the, the film. But this this was just thrown in in episode four. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It suddenly gets mentioned in episode four. episodes and you think, well, I have no idea why this is flipping called the ginger Mm. tree. I've got no clue. Mm. And suddenly we find out it's because this tree, it doesn't even say it's a ginger tree. She says Mm. it smells of ginger. 
So it's not even a ginger tree. We were actually beginning to think that because Samantha Bond has got red hair, <laughs> she's the ginger tree. Well, she is. She is as well. Right. That's the point. Because ah, there you it go. Grew... I misunderstood yeah, that it... completely, obviously. She's... No, the... she is the ginger tree. That's the point. She... It... Ah, okay. And it grew back after the earthquake of 23 because it was a resilient right. foreigner in a foreign land. It's not meant to be there, this ginger tree. Oh, okay. And it grew back and it survived. And it, the point is that she is this, she is a metaphorically oh, this I tree in Japan. Like, pay attention well, it's more. It's dead metaphorical, like. Look, it's Julie. My gardener wanted to cut it down. He says it looks untidy. But I wouldn't let him. In the big earthquake in 23, the house collapsed and it burnt down to a black stump. The following spring, it started to grow back. The gardener distrusts it. He says it must be foreign. A resilient foreigner. But I like it. It smells of ginger. Oh, you see, oh, you and your metaphors. <laughs> you and your metaphors, I don't like it. I don't understand you it. You educated folk with your metaphors. <laughs> but it's too late to get that in episode four. Yeah, absolutely. And if you... I had no idea why it was called the ginger tree until that, and it just annoyed me mm. at that moment. Mm. They could have easily had I also some think sort of she, she gets more Scottish, have oh. you noticed? Sorry? Yeah, she gets more Scottish. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes, occasionally, very occasionally, she <laughs> says something in a slightly Scottish accent, just to remind us. But not a strong Scottish accent at all, mm. and not a believable one. So No, indeed. Um, no more believable than mine, indeed. Exactly. <laughs> Scottish. Scottish. <laughs> But I was thinking, hmm, um, there was an article in Radio Times as well about how amazing mm. Samantha Bond's language skills was in the ginger tree. And basically she said she learned right. how to speak Japanese parrot fashion. She didn't understand the things she mm. was saying. But it also mm. commends her on moving from Scottish to, to Japanese. I'm thinking, Scottish? Really? Mm. I don't remember mm. that. She was very plummy, mm. you know, received pronunciation, home mm. counties, I thought. Just a strange mixture of sort of subtitles and costume drama going on. <laughs> very odd. <laughs> you know. Yeah. One thing I spotted as was that there was Germans in uniform in the hotel lobby at one point. Oh, right. So at this point, obviously, we're a lot further on. The mm. Germans are now the Allies, and they even mm. have some in the lobby. But it was just really... I was quite mm. shocked by that. I was like, oh, gosh, OK, so we're quite close to the war then, because these people are wearing mm. proper Luftwaffe uniforms. Yeah, and people are being round up for internment, yes. aren't they? And, and, and rebels are being sort of suppressed. And I mean, actually, as, as, a, as a kind of... Uh, observation of what life is like when a, a society is gearing up for war uh, and indeed for whatever else they seem to you know or, or gearing up for a, a kind of fascism it's actually quite interesting to see the parallels you know it, yeah. it's, it's it's a fascinating this last hour is actually a very interesting piece of television just in terms of how people who were wealthy running businesses are having to sign their businesses over rename them because they no longer have fashionable names that you know, uh, th that will work in that culture uh, and are basically being either shipped out or shipped off to various places. And I, d I do think actually that fourth episode resonates now. It's a, it's a very strong piece of drama and, and, and it does hold up very well. Yeah. And of course, the tragedy of being, you know, having to put all your possessions into one suitcase. Oh, all and, of that. And leave, yeah, it's... leave your life yeah, and yeah. and hope that one day you'll maybe come back to it. But of course, nobody at that stage would have known, in in the world, I mean, would have known that uh, life in Japan was never going to be the same. Yeah. 
Better pack my hymn book. I'm sure to be needing that. If you forget anything, I can get it over to you. Won't they be coming for you soon? I don't know. I suppose so. But I'll find out where you are and get in touch with you. I have a feeling it's not going to be as easy as that. Hey, Doom. I do hope at last I can be of some use. What do you mean? I'm so near to the end of my life, I don't really mind what happens. So perhaps I can be of some help to those who do mind. One thing that I didn't buy, but it's probably in the novel, was that mm. Aiko had by this time married this guy called Katsugi, who used her as a doormat. Um, mm. The fact that she'd remarried and that despite all of her leanings and everything, and he was arrested, so she was freed again, effectively. But I just didn't see how that was the case. And she was bowing to him. So she'd completely given away her principles and given up on them and and gone into this. But maybe it's just a message about how oppressed women were there. She had no choice mm. but to do that mm. and to be subservient to men. So maybe that is mm. fitting. But again, it's difficult to watch and depressing. Mm. One scene that wasn't depressing because I laughed out loud, and I think it's the only <laughs> scene I laughed at in the whole thing, and it right. wasn't meant to be funny, was okay. was when Count Kurihama's wife had died, and he visited Samantha Bond, and mm -hmm. he says, did you know? And he's like, she's like, no, I didn't know. And then he says, well, she has. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. <laughs> it was like, I didn't know she died. Well, well she has. It's like, ah, oh, honest. <laughs> it was just... I'm not making it, it up. It was just the way it was delivered. It was just really funny. I just burst out laughing. I don't think you were meant to laugh at it, but I did. But it seems my wife is safe. She's been very ill, you know. No, I didn't know. Well, she has. That character um, throughout the uh, the episode is... is, is becoming more and more stoic and more and more tragic and more and more every, everything because he was he had a position of power and now he's on the wrong side of history and he's the, and he's old, gu and he's the old guard isn't he yeah the old guard and all that kind of thing yeah. and and we are supposed to feel uh empathy i mean i i don't get me wrong i you know if you cut your finger with a piece of paper it hurts yeah yeah uh or you or you you know you catch you know you're chopping some vegetables and you cut you oh that hurts you know mm -hmm. I think it it really must take something to plunge a knife into yourself, you know. I I'd be like, I'm a bit oh oh no, you know. <laughs> yeah. so I, I, why would you inflict pain on yourself? And then and and yet this whole culture of I mean the culture of suicide does actually creep through the entire story. Oh, you oh yeah, that's right. From the right in episode you know, one, there's how, a comment about suicide, honorable. isn't there? Mm, At the dinner party, right. yeah. Oh, you're right. That is a theme. Um, well done. So it so it does sort of feed through it, and obviously this is uh, signposting how his fate yes, at the end. So yeah. spoiler alert: if you were going to watch Ginger Tree, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, it doesn't end, it doesn't end well for the count. Well, come, let's not get to that straight away. But anyway, then Kurihama asks her to marry him, mm. and and she says, "Would we be able to see him?" And he's like, "Nah." <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> what like, well, your son? No, 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 no. In that case, we'll go on as we are. Um, mm. And he says, as you like, that line really annoyed me. 
the fact that he reacted mm. as you like. Because no, it's not mm. as she likes. It's you're setting the rules here. She has no power. You are deciding everything, and that just really mm. upset and annoyed me um, as a viewer. Um, oh, the nationalism uh, rose now because she was attacked on the bridge, wasn't she? Yes. Sorry, that's right. Yeah. Uh, as as a an outsider, yeah. uh, the 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 true Japanese women, weirdly, always got very threatening and drove her yeah. you know, away. Because basically, in the end, uh, she's forced to leave the country, and we get the um, the st- the standard uh, old London docks pretending to be Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. At least I assume it's the old London yeah. docks pretending to be yeah, Singapore. Those buildings always look very. Somebody must have to go up there and paint this is Singapore along the wall every so often. <laughs> with, with the magic of television. Television. But um, yeah, but uh, yeah. It, uh, so she's driven. Out. But we do get, and I, I suppose the whole the whole story has been driven towards this reunion with the son who was taken away. Yeah, Tallow. Yes. Um, you know, who we saw as a bump at the end of episode one and we saw being uh, disappeared at the end of episode two. Um, so finally they get, the, it becomes apparent that the soldier who he's, uh, she's talking to is actually her son. And crucially, he's a kamikaze pilot, isn't he? Mm, that's right. And he knows he'll be dead. Right. So she talks about the festival yeah. of the dead and going there with him. So this is full mm. circle moment when he was a child to mm. say, well, remember me after the war because I will be dead because I'm a pilot. And that was like, oh, God, it's a really shocking thing about Japanese culture and how, you know, yeah, suicide's fine. Well, again, that's the suicide thing feeding through. Yeah, exactly. I took you once, when you were a baby, to the Festival of the Dead. For some reason, that evening is my most vivid memory of you. What did you say your name was? Osaki. Nobushiki. When you go back to Japan. Yes. You must visit again. The festival of the dead. That's where you will find me. What do you mean? I am a pilot. But I will be there. Thinking about it now, actually, the theme of death runs through the whole. The, you know, her sort of inner death. Yeah. But you know the 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 you get the lanterns on the on the yeah. river, which is a, be- a beautifully shot. I mean, yeah. you, can't, you can't argue with that. I mean, it's a it's a very moving scene, even though it, it might be in Basingstoke. You know, it's 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 beautifully shot and 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 very metaphorical. You know? Yeah. But a very powerful image, and obviously the fate of both her lover and her son seems to be uh, suicide. Uh, so that's sort of it's a maybe that's why it's so low key because it's basically it's a four part four part drama about death. Yeah. So he said suddenly having this revelation: death, <laughs> nationalism, and the oppression of women. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really cheery, cheery subject. Yeah, Go watch absolutely, it. Yeah, <laughs> jo- a jolly four hours of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, and I don't think I'd recommend mm. it to anyone. But mm. I can't say it wasn't well made in the sense of no. production values. 
I, and I, I, I genuinely believe that, I mean, Samantha Bond is phenomenal. She's really you know, good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, playing understated and actually getting away with it. I mean, just doing stuff with your eyes or, you know, a little bit of movement here yeah. or just change change of way, yeah. face position or whatever is actually one of those skills that a lot of actors that you see on television, you feel they don't learn. And Samantha Bond, you know, she, she knows how to play to the camera and she does it incredibly well yeah. throughout this. She's a class act. You know? She really is a class mm. act in this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So... Have we reached a conclusion? Have we reached a conclusion? Yeah, I'm not... I mean, as with a lot of the stuff on the A to Z, I, I mean, most of the things we talk about, you, you get the impression that there may be not things people have seen and may not even f find easy, you know, access to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, this is available on DVD. It's, it, it, it might not be something you would personally go out to buy but it's it's if you can get hold of a copy or you can find it on youtube or whatever it's 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 worth watching it's just not gonna be that sort of uplifting four hours that's i mean some costume dramas people really do feel uh you know oh i enjoyed that it was really good now this is just it, it's it's of its, it i say it's of its time it's not even of its time really it's it's of a time yeah and it's it's telling you about a, a culture you may not know much about you may be very familiar with and it may even be coming at, at it from a very western uh, you could almost say racist point of view but i do think it's an interesting four hours uh, even despite you know I, it, the treacle pace of it yeah it, it could it could uh i suspect it could quite easily be done as a three part oh, absolutely or, or even two yeah yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, yeah. and it would work as a film. It would, you yeah. know, it, 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 compacting it. But it's not the most uplifting four hours of your life. I mean, let's put it. That but way. it's interesting, isn't it? Because like a close relation on the A to Z, obviously, is Tenko, mm. and mm. I find Tenko incredibly uplifting and compelling. Mm. And this, mm. even though there's some similar themes, not at all. Mm. So it is about somehow how you put a TV program together and whether you engage mm. with it in a way that makes you enjoy it, regardless of the subject matter. And I just didn't enjoy it in the way I expected to. Yeah. I would like to see sort of some of the reactions from the time, you know, people, if people wrote to the Radio Times or oh, whatever, yeah. in response to it. Because it, I, I don't know how, you know, people in, for example, people in America might have thought this was wonderful. Yeah. But maybe they just liked everything that Masterpiece Theatre churned out yeah. to because it was period drama, yeah. it was the BBC, yeah. therefore, therefore by default it's wonderful. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's the greatest no. uh, adaptation that's ever been made. It's a perfectly serviceable four hours of drama as an adaptation of a book. Whether or not that is a big enough selling point to listeners or viewers is is debatable yeah. but I, I it's a perfectly serviceable drama yeah and and, and some reason and sometimes it's better than it needs to be in terms of its filmic epic yeah. feel and and yeah. cinematography and you do learn things from yeah. it which is always a plus yeah and, i mean like i say it's got a lot of parallels with stuff that's going on now yeah. which is interesting yeah. and of itself i'm just not not convinced that our viewers are going to, our listeners are going to go out and go well yeah i really must really want to see that after no, what they've told me about but um i think it's interesting also from the point of view that the japanese production japanese were so involved so they were 
happy to tell the story of the rise of Japanese nationalism, mm. which I think is a really True. positive thing mm. that that was presented of the fall of a nation. Do you think it's a cultural cultural difference actually in the production? Oh yeah, I think maybe. I think there's a sparsity sometimes, a sort of uh, mm. an element of that, which is perhaps this executive mm. producer guy who gave Thelma Helsby such a hard time. Um, mm. I think that maybe comes through that there's a, there's an absence. Mm. Or a, yes. a a sort of a detachment that perhaps so this comes is a through sort of televisual haiku haiku yeah something like that <laughs> is happening something like that is happening definitely mm. and I can't quite put my finger on it but it's obviously mm. not entirely in the control of the BBC. Uh, well, someone's going to write to us and say, ah, oh, well, if you actually analyse the script, it's all written in haiku. <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, maybe we should try it. <laughs> you start. Um, so not today. Not so today. that was that was the that ginger was tree. The ginger tree. Um, mm. That was letter G. Perhaps a little less controversial than our last G, but um, mm. we we move on to H soon. Not H, mm. as people seem to say on TV everywhere nowadays. H. It's not H. It's H. Please don't do that. <laughs> This is the evolution of language, unfortunately. No, it's not the evolution of language, it's <laughs> idiocy. The evolution of ignorance, my evolution yeah. of ignorance. Yeah. Oh dear, are we being all, all, um, all superior again? Oh dear me. So, until we meet again to do the letter H. Indeed. I have been Andy. And I've been Martin, you take care. Bye. Bye-bye. suppose this country is so anxious to fight with all its neighbours? Perhaps we've been friends with you British long enough to think, why shouldn't we have an empire? Mm.